Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, this is in our rhythms of generosity. This is the Sunday that we, as a church, we return back to God, our annual, you know, kingdom builders offering. And just to be transparent, I know this has been a tough year. I mean, I know things are tight. Uh, finances are slim. Inflation is up. And so we were having this discussion as a family this, this week, like, what are we going to give and praying through that. And, you know, even using the words, how we say, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. And there's, you know, don't feel, God doesn't want anybody giving out a compulsion or anything like that. No pressure. My son, Parker, how many of you know, you can get a lot of wisdom from children sometimes. He said, dad, even though you say that, it still feels like there's some pressure to give. When you say no pressure to do it, I still feel that pressure. And I just want to free you up today. And, you know, I even thought about, man, maybe we just all need to pass this year in our participation. But I just believe that, uh, in fact, as we really engage God's heart and what he wants for our lives and for this church, that he's going to move you however he moves you. And so I'm not even going to bring a message about giving today at all. But I am unapologetically going to uncover a lie, a lie that has been perpetuated by the enemy, a lie that has caused so many people to disconnect from God's house, has caused so many people so many people to step away. It has caused people to do life alone when you were not created to do life alone. And we've seen this kind of lie being developed over the, the last three, three or, or so years, especially, this caused people to say, I love God, but I do not need his family. Have you heard that? Have you witnessed that? Have you seen people step away from the house of God? I love God, but, but I don't really need to be in a community. And I'm just telling you that the enemy is a liar. He's lied to you. That, that some of you are weaker than you need to be because you are separate from the family of God. I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir because here you are, but I say that knowing that on average, you know how many times per month people come to church these days? Once a month is the average now. Is that not crazy? You know, before COVID, before the pandemic, it used to be, you know, 2.5 times a month or something like that. Now on average, people come one time a month. And I believe it's because of this lie that has been perpetuated that you don't need the community and the family of God. In fact, I love Psalm 23 in the message version. It says this, your beauty and love, they chase after me every day of my life. And then it says, I'm back home. Somebody say back home. And I'm back home. Come back home. Come back home to the house of God for the rest of your life. I mean, come back home. And I'm standing up here as someone who has had a bit of a turbulent journey myself with the house of God. Like, can I just be honest? I have church baggage too. Like maybe many of you. I've been ostracized by the church in my past. I've been marginalized by the place that, that I was trying to belong to, but I had to get to the place in my own journey and make a decision that I was not created to do life alone, that I was created to be in, in community, that I was created to play a part and have a part in, in, God, in God's house. And so I have some, some baggage, but I come back to God's word that, that lets me know I also have a responsibility to engage in the house of God. Because people fail, 
but God's word never will fail. Are you with me? People fail. Yes, you might feel hurt, you might feel marginalized, but God's word never fails us. And so I had to, to choose to believe like so many of you in the room perhaps need to believe that God's best plan for my family was that I would be a part of his. Come on, somebody. Right? God's best plan for you, God's best plan for your family is that you would engage in and be a part of and be connected to his. And so I stand here today really going to battle I believe with the lie that has been perpetuated that the enemy wants to sow into a generation of people, causing them to believe that you do not need to be a part of a church. That causes people to believe that you can be a floating follower of Jesus, that you can kind of just float from here or there or dip your toe in a little bit here and stay there as long as it suits you or stay for whatever amount of time, length of time that suits your needs, that fits your needs for whatever season that you want to be a part of that. Can I tell you something? God's word does not say that. God does what, God's word does not say that you can, can float around and, and sit in a, in a family connected to community for whatever amount of time suits you. God's word says that you are to be planted, rooted. God's word says that you and I are to develop a deep network of roots that would hold fast to the earth. Like when storms come, when, when droughts come, because they will. And you're going to need to be able to withstand those turbulent times. The Bible says this, those planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. When you're planted, you flourish. Flourish in the courts of his praise. And in other places it says that, that we are living stones. And that we are to be connected to other living stones. But the enemy loves to spread this lie from generation to generation because he knows God's word better than, than we know God's word. Because he was around in the time that it was unfolding as well. And he knows that Jesus said in Matthew 16 that he is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so the enemy knows that. And so he knows something perhaps that you and I don't know or need to be reminded of. And that is when God's family God's house is planted when it is united and not divided. You know, when God's house is, is, is planted, it is powerful. And he doesn't like it. In fact, I'm going to teach from this title for the next few minutes. A planted house is a powerhouse. Are you with me? A planted house is a powerful house. And the enemy realizes that. And so he's caused us in this season to drift away from the house of God believing that we don't need to be connected to his, his house. The enemy would rather a generation of believers believe that they don't need the church, that I'll be okay with just a few of my friends, you know, that have my back and that that's all and we're good. No, we need the older and we need the younger. We need the diversity. We need the experience and the wisdom. We need the encouragement and we also need the correction. Are you with me? We need all of it. And we need to know that the enemy, he can't destroy the house of God because the Bible said he can't. He said, I'm gonna build my church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And so he realizes that if he can't destroy it, you know what he's trying to do? Deplete it. He's trying to derail it. He's trying to redirect it to, to matters of no eternal consequence and no eternal value. He's trying to redirect your energy to engage in something that ultimately does not make a difference. If he can't destroy it, he'll try to deplete it. And that's what he's doing. 
And I believe that he is shaking in his boots because he realizes if we would ever wake up to the fact that the church and the house of God, a planted church is a powerful church, that we really are a home for the homeless, that we really are a a place of safety for those seeking shelter. We're a place of of security and strength for people. We are a place of, of discomfort sometimes even in the best possible way. How many of you know sometimes you have to be uncomfortable in order to grow? That's what growth does, right? I mean, it causes you to be discomfort so you, can, so you can grow and so you can produce more fruit in your life because a planted house is a power house. I'm gonna need somebody to talk back to me today because I'm fired up, all right, just so you know. A planted house is a power house. And so today, some of you, you might need to, to walk back to the house of God. Some of you might need to run back. You just might need to hustle back and re-engage in God's house because the enemy would have you believe that you could play musical chairs with your seat. That the seat that you're sitting in is transient, is temporary. That you don't, you don't, you can move your seat. You can come to church as you feel like it. You know, in a moment that you can, you ever seen one of those, those, you know, status boards in your office, like in office, out of office, you know, in the time you'll be back. Some of you are just moving your status. Well, I'm in the church this week. I'm out of church the next. Some of you are picking up your chair and you're not even realizing it and you're not moving closer to the things of God. You're moving further. In fact, let's do this. Mike, would you help me out? Grab that chair next to you. Just pick it up and just take it on out of here. Just walk it out to the back. Look, this is what the enemy would have you believe is okay. Stop right there, Mike. That he's not completely out the door, but he's on his way out. And when you are on your way out of the door, you know what you begin to think? Well, you know what? I don't even know if I fit here anymore. I don't even know if I belong here. I don't even know if people really recognize me and know who I am. And so with every step, he gets further and further and further away until one day you can wake up and realize this. You'd say, I don't feel God anymore. I don't feel his presence. I don't feel like I fit in. I don't know if I should even be here. You know why? Because you took your seat all the way out the door. And this is what you say, I still love God. I love, you know, I have a seat, but you believe that your seat is movable. And I'm just telling you, it's a lie. And we don't want Mike to leave, so come on back, Mike. You're a part of this house. Come on, buddy, come on back. But the enemy is, have you, have you not felt this and seen this? The enemy's perpetuating this lie. You don't have to be connected to the house. You don't have to be connected to a, a community of, of people that you can, how you feel determines your status. And again, you start to feel that you don't, you don't belong or fit or feel God anymore. And I just wonder if in this next season, is a season you would begin to be bold enough, to be brave enough perhaps to pick up your seat and bring it back to the house, to re-engage in, in, in God's house, to re-enter the conversation or to re- reconnect to God's people or to, to re-engage and recommit to, to your responsibility as a follower of Jesus. And I'm just wondering if sometimes some of you physically on Sunday, you need to come in this room and sit somewhere else because you all sit in the same place almost every single week. Don't tell me you don't. Like, what is it about us, right, in church that we just kind of come in and this is is where I sit? But the enemy can lie to you even in the house because you come in and sit and you you sit by people who feel like you feel or or think like you think or often maybe say the things that that you say and then you start to come in and, and then you look around and they're no longer there. 
And the, and the people who used to be there aren't there. And then you start to think, well, I don't know why they're gone anymore. And that person's gone and that person's gone. And, and what am I doing here? You know, maybe I don't even belong here. Obviously something's wrong. This is the way the enemy works. And so some of you need to come re-engage in this room and actually sit in a different location. And so sit by somebody and be like, what are you sitting here for? Like, because I used to be a right side of the auditorium sitter and now I'm a left side. Or I used to be a back row and now I'm a front row person. Come on, right? Like we need to re-engage because the enemy would have you believe that you don't need God's house. And there's just something so important about the way that God wired you and I, that we are to be connected. There's something so critical about our spiritual well-being that comes along with us being connected to God's house because God is after all a God of relationship, is he not? He's a God of family. He's a, a, a God of belonging. And so he wants you to re-engage in his house. And by the way, if it's not here, if this is not your church, that's okay. But connect somewhere, get planted somewhere, be connected to a community somewhere because a, a planted house is a power house. How do we do that? How do we re-engage in the house? Because I can, I can stand here and tell you uh, with full transparency that this is my house. I mean, I've been a part of this house, you know, obviously, you know, being a part of planting, planting this church, but I'd say more than that, this is, I've been in this house longer than I've been in any other house. I've been here and there are times where I've, I, I've had to reconnect my heart. I've had to re-engage my, my part in this house. There's been times I've walked through these doors and I don't understand the season that we're in. And even when I don't understand things that are happening, I have to, to stand on the word of God. Are you with me? Like even when I, there's a shift in what's happening in the world around us, because we all sense it, we all see it. I had to make a shift in my thinking and say, even though I don't understand it, God, like even when, when people leave or, or when I, I don't get what's going on, I had to ask God for grace in this season to, to help me because I have to re-engage even as a pastor from time to time in God's house. And so in this series, that's what we're doing. We're talking and defining who we are going to be as a church, a church of, or a, a house of. In week one, we said a house of simplicity, right? We're all about keeping the main thing, the main thing. Let's keep it simple, stupid, kiss it, right? Let's do that. Not right now, that would be weird. Let's keep it simple. Like, let's be all about what Jesus is all about, what's on his heart. And we're talking about these parables and we focused in on, on this one in Luke chapter 15. The second week, we talked about being a, a house of intentionality, where man, we're just, we are going to be a front porch for prodigals. If it's the last thing that we do, that you are welcome here, you are wanted here, like no matter what you've been through, no matter. So we are intentional about that. And then last week we talked about a house of humility and come on, Pastor Will brought a, brought a great message, a great word on humility, but all in an effort to define who we are going to be as this house. Because in this story, and I'm not even gonna put it up on the screen for you today because you've, you've listened to it enough that hopefully now you can kind of connect your heart to this, this chapter, Luke 15. But in this story, there's two brothers. There's the, the prodigal, the younger one, and the older one. And both of them need to re-engage the house. Both of them have the, the father and the home that they were brought up in, the home that they were meant to grow in, the home that they were meant to learn in and love in and be fostered in. And these two brothers found themselves in a position where they were both far from the father, one physically and one emotionally or spiritually. 
And I don't know which one of these brothers more connects with where you are today. It could be you're like the prodigal, the prodigal who wanted his inheritance early because he decided, you know what? I don't think I can, I can thrive in this house. So I'm gonna take off. I'm gonna take what's, what's due me. And so I'm leaving the house. I need to go explore. I need to find my own way. I need to do my own thing. So dad, I don't really think I can do it here. I'm out of here. And he, he leaves. Off went the prodigal and he blew everything. He left the house. Maybe some of you today would say, Colby, that's me. That's me. I'm, I'm a prodigal. I've, I've, I've done everything my way based on what I wanted to do. And, I, and I've ended up doing it the hard way. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You just live life the hard way. It just seems like everywhere you turn, everywhere you go is the hard way. And it ends in disaster as it did for this young boy, right? I mean, he, he faced a, a famine and because of that, he had no money left and he ended up sleeping with pigs and eating pig food. Didn't feel like he could return home. In fact, he kept rehearsing his apology in his mind about when he should return home and how he should do that. And some of you, you're rehearsing that in your mind. Colby, I don't even think I can ever come back to the, the house, much less God's house. Because if some of you were honest, you feel like your past does not allow you to have the future that you had hoped for, the future that you thought you might have one day in God's house. And I'm just telling you, if that's you and you're here, you are so welcome here. Like we are so glad you're here. You need to know that, that this house was created largely in part for you, for prodigals, people who felt like you made mistakes, like you, you, you've, you've been through the ringer, that you've done life the hard way. You are both welcome and wanted here. Here you're going to find grace, but you're also going to find truth from God's word. You're going to be known and needed. I mean, that's really our, our heart for you. So let me just say this. Well done if you're a prodigal. Well done for showing up, for getting up, for coming. Well done for not letting shame keep you stuck at home. Not letting guilt keep you stuck. So well done. But you need to re-engage in the house, God's house. But it wasn't just the younger brother, was it? It was the older brother too. He also needed to re-engage in the house. Although he lived at home, he needed to still come back home. He lived there, he slept there, but he still needed to come back in his heart because he wasn't a prodigal, he was a protege. He was excellent. He's the one that stayed. He was faithful. He knew what to do and when to do it. He served well, he worked, he was an OG, right? He stayed home, he was reliable. But do you remember the, the, the protege had an attitude problem called pride? And he had this attitude of, I've seen it all before, I've done it all before, I should, you know, he, why should he get things? Because I'm the one who stayed, I'm the one who was faithful, I'm the one who works hard, I'm the one who remains. I don't get excited about anything anymore. This is just what I do. I just check a box and I just show up at the house. Now I just come because, you know, that's what I've always done. But can I tell you, both the, the prodigal and the protege had a pride problem. The prodigal said, I, I can do it better. And the, the protege said, I am better. That was his problem. And though the protege was in the house, he had never left the house. Can I tell you something in his heart? He had left. 
In his heart, he picked up his seat and was moving and inching back further and further away. In his passion for the house, he had left. In his energy for the house, he had left. There was no more zeal for the house that consumed him. He had left. And so he was just doing a job. He was going through the motions. Because how many of you know you can be physically present but emotionally absent at the same time? And that's where he was. And that might be where some of you are. You grew up in a church. You know what to do. You know what to say. You know all the, the, the language, the lingo. You can talk the talk, right? And you just kind of show up and check the box. But at the end of the day, you're like, Kobe, what's the big deal? It's just church. Come on, man. Like, it's just the house of God. Like, what's, what's the, the big deal? You're just kind of phoning it in. Colby, how can you tell if I'm phoning it in? Well, you show up late and you leave early. That's one way. You're on autopilot. You go through the motions. In fact, you might even serve on a team. You might even, you know, engage in the house in, in serving, but your passion is gone. Your energy is gone. Your excitement has left the house. So if the prodigal needed to re-engage in the house, so did the protege. So did the OG. And so there are, are, are three, maybe four, different uh, keys that I want to lay on the table. And I say four, just depending on time, all right? I've, I've, you know, I've gotten to them in the last you know, few worship experiences, but... We'll just see. But there's three keys that I want to give you because I believe in this season, you and I, we could miss out unless we choose to once again re-engage in, in, in the house. It's entirely impossible for us to miss out on a, a miracle unless we, we re-engage our mind and put our minds in the right position. It's entirely possible for us to miss out on the breakthrough that God has for our lives unless we, we can get our minds set that we actually can move beyond our past, that our past does not define us. And so I think in this season, it is entirely possible for us to miss out on things and either like the, the, the prodigal allow our shame or our guilt to kind of keep us or allow our pride to keep us from reengaging in God's house. And God's like, no, today you need to come home. I don't even care if you're here physically. Some of you, in your, in your being, you need to come home. Some of you in your thinking, you need to come home. In your attitude, in your excitement, in your energy, you need to come home to the house. And so the prodigal, and the protege both needed to re-engage in three, again, slash maybe four ways. Uh, the prodigal uh, came to this moment of crisis. And so the first way he had to re-engage, write it down, was in his head, in his mind. That's what the Bible tells us, that this drought, this famine caused him to, you know, he lost everything already and now he'd had no food. And so he went to live with the pigs and, and, and eat what the pigs ate. And the Bible says that he came to his senses, that there was this crisis moment where in his mind, he came to his senses and he thought, you know what? Even the servants back in my father's house have enough to eat. He came to his senses of all the things that he thought would satisfy him, the ways he thought he would be fulfilled in life by chasing after you know, his, his hopes or dreams or whatever he had, whatever he said you know, would, would fulfill him, left him empty and hungry and hopeless and homeless and alone and empty, right? Why? Because the devil's a liar. He's a liar. 
He wants you to believe that all these other things that you're chasing will actually fill you up. He wants to cause you to live your life in such a way that you believe whatever the earth is, the world is, is selling, and that's what's going to, to fill you. Whatever you feel like, just do. Whatever they post on socials, man, that's what you should, should follow. And we begin to live this life uh, in the lie, not realizing it. But there's got to be a moment, just like the prodigal, where you wake up and you come to your senses. And maybe it's a moment of sitting under the teaching of God's word. Whatever it is, there has to be this moment where you realize whatever it was that the enemy was promoting is not as promised. It's not as promised. It did not satisfy. It did not do what you thought it was going to do. And I say that because we don't need any more prodigals. You're welcome here as a prodigal. But I mean, we don't need any more people eating out of the pig trough of what culture has been providing. We just don't need it. And it breaks my heart because I feel like the only reason relationships are being broken and families are being broken is because people are, are searching for their identity in something other than who God created them to be. And they're desperate, they are hurting. You know why you made bad decisions? Because you're hurting. Something inside of us was broken and God says, I know the reason why you're there. I know the reason why you did what you did, I get it. But if you knew your value and your worth in Christ, you probably wouldn't have done it. And there are so many people that are searching for their identity in other things. And I'm just telling you, it breaks God's heart because God says, you are so, so valuable. You know how valuable you are? I was willing to give my one and only son so that you could have eternal life, so that you could be reconciled to God. And so it breaks his heart when people are eating out of the, the pig trough of what culture is providing them, especially when there is a seat available for you at the table. What does it say? The father was waiting for the son to come home. And when he came home, walking home, the father ran towards him. There's a seat at the table. Somebody here today needs to know there is a seat at the table for you. You don't have to keep eating what the world is giving you. And so don't let shame continually keep you in the, the pigsty. Don't let ego and pride continually keep you out in the backyard, protege, feeling like you have it all together. But the Bible says he came to his senses. He had this moment of clarity. They says, look, how did I get here? Have you ever been there? Have you ever looked in the mirror and said, how did I end up here? I have. How in the world did I get so far from, from the father's house? And so he had to re-engage first in his mind. And so what did he do? He started thinking about all that was back home. He started thinking about all the, the ways that people were taken care of back in the family. He started thinking about all the, the, the activity and the noise and the celebration. He started thinking about, right, the, how his father's servants had food to spare and, and he could be filled there. He, he started thinking about the love and the warmth that was back at the house. And so in his mind, before he could even be moved to action, he had to re-engage his head. That's the prodigal, but the protege, he was angry. And he was mad when his brother came home, wasn't he? He was frustrated. He felt like, like um, 
that he's the one who had stayed, so he felt like he was taken for granted. So he was, he was mad about it. He was mad that he had no control over the situation. He was the one that stayed, who was faithful, and he didn't understand all the fuss for his brother coming home. What he didn't understand, by the way, was the word we call grace. Because grace is a foreign concept to the prideful. That is, of course, unless you are on the receiving end of grace, and then you're okay with it. Same here. It's a foreign concept, though, to, to people who are prideful. And so the protege, he didn't just have to re-engage his head. Here's the second thing, the second key. He had to re-engage his heart. His heart. He had to have compassion. He had to have empathy. For what he saw was someone coming home who had done nothing more than break the rules. What he should have seen was this was a brother coming back to the house. He had to re-engage first his, his heart. After re-engaging his, his head, he had to come back to the place where, you know what, I love this house. And for some of you, that's what you need. You need to come back to the place where, you know what, I, I love the house of God. Where zeal for the house consumes you. And can I just remind some of you, like, like this is the house that God puts you back up on your feet. For some of you, this is the place that people came around you and prayed for you and you received healing and a miracle. Like I need to remind some of you, like you came back to this house and you were made whole and marriages were restored. Like for some of you, this is the house where you found your spouse. Come on, Dr. Seuss, this is the house. This is also the house where some of you lost a spouse and people came around you and and served with you through that and worked with you through that season in your life. This is the house where some of you are raising a family. This is the house where some of you have, have started a family. So you have to re-engage your heart in the house. What's what the older brother had to do? And re-engage his, his head and then his heart. And I can tell you, after you do those things, your natural response is to re-engage this third key, and that is your hands. Because the prodigal had only taken and taken and taken. Is that not right? Father, I want my share of the inheritance now. He had only taken, he had only consumed. And if I'm being honest, maybe for some of you, the church has been the place where you've only taken You've only consumed. Like you've taken the encouragement, you've taken the, the, the wisdom, you've taken the help when you need it, but you have not put your hand back in. And, I, and as I say that, here's what I want to also say is a balancing statement. Like some of you, please come and consume. Like, I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know the hurt that you have. I don't know the, the pain and the baggage that you carry. So for a season, some of you, you need to just come and consume and sit. So I'm glad that you're here. So glad that you're here. But at some point, you need to move from consumer to contributor. At some point, you got to put your hand back in because you're, you're okay taking when you're in, in need of some help. You're okay, you know, when, 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 when things are going bad. But when things are going good, you're nowhere to be found. Are you with me? And so some of you need to re-engage your hand because the house is a place you come to when there's a crisis. There's a house is a place you come to when you, you need something. 
Or, or maybe you are the protege and you're saying, yeah, well, I'm always engaging my hand. I serve and I serve and I serve. And although your hand is busy, if we're honest, your hand is also tired and you're weary. How do you know? Because, because now you wave people into the parking lot if you serve on a team like this. Hey, welcome. We're so glad you're here. <laughs> Hopefully none of our guys today. But you know what it used to be? It used to be you're waving cars in and going, hey, that might be someone who needs a miracle. That might be someone who needs a, a breakthrough. That might be a family that has been broken, that this is the place they're finally gonna find joy and peace. That might be a married couple that is going through almost a divorce. That could be someone who this is their last ditch effort. I'm coming back to God to see if God is even real in their life. Otherwise, I'm going to take my life. That could be someone who is far from God, who needs to encounter the living God and have their eternity changed forever. You got to re-engage your hands and get excited about what it is. You used to open the door with excitement. And I don't know why you're here, but you're family here. You're so welcome here. You used to serve with a smile. But at some point, you have to re-engage your hand and the way you do it is by saying, God, I know everything that I have is yours. Everything. My very life, my very breath, my very existence. So I don't want to just, you know, engage my hand and just set up chairs. I want to set up chairs and pray over every single one of them. I want to I serve in kids, not just because they're short on teams, but I want to serve in kids because this is my house. And I'm re-engaging in my hand in your house. I don't want to just worship because your word tells me to worship. I don't wanna just give because that's what you know, is required of me to give. I wanna do it because God, I know how much you've given to me. My only response is to give you back everything I can. To re-engage because I'm hosting people that, that need hope. We're hosting people that need help. We're hosting people that need healing. We are hosting people every single weekend that need a home. So re-engage your hand. And I promise you, I promise you this. When you begin to re-engage your mind and your head and you re-engage your heart, you cannot help but re-engage your hand. And it turns all, you know, the serving and the giving and those things from, you know, I got to, I got to, I got to, to I get to do this. I get to be a part of this. I get to help make a difference because of the difference God has made in my life. Re-engage your hand. And so here's the last one. We are going to make it. Check it out. When the prodigal started to come back to the house, um, the father, as I said earlier, he's already running toward him. And for some of you, listen, the moment you decided you're going to come back to the house and re-engage the house, God's already running towards you. And in his head, the son had rehearsed his apology in his head, he, he knew that he would come and have to bow low. In his head, he was willing to accept whatever position the father was going to give him because he was just hungry and hopeless and helpless and was just looking for a house, a home to be a part of. And you know what the father did? The father helped him re-engage in the house. And he does it. And I don't know if I ever saw this before. He does it by calling him the name that he's forgotten. Son, daughter, some of you have forgotten your name. 
Some of you have forgotten. And so here's the last thing. And then I'll have the band come on back out and help me. You need to re-engage in your heritage. Come on. Your, your birthright. Your legacy. You need to re-engage in who God says that you are. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. Listen, every single person in this room or watching online, you are an image bearer of God. Like you were created in his image, but the moment you realize what Jesus has done for you on the cross and he saved you and sets you free, you cross over from image bearer to son or daughter. And no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter how you serve, no matter how far away you run, if you have made a commitment to following Jesus, you have the full rights and privileges that are incumbent with a son or daughter of God. And once we realize that and we re-engage our heritage as sons or daughters, you know what that means? That means you walk through these doors, not as a renter of a room, not as someone who's transient that they can pick up their seat at the drop of a hat and start to move it back further and further away not as a visitor, you, you begin to understand your heritage as a son or a daughter. And when you do that, you know what? You know what this house becomes? It becomes a place that you come in and you take off your shoes. Don't do it right now. <laughs> but you take off your coat. You have refrigerator rights. <laughs> you get busy in the kitchen and start to help. You um, open up the cabinet if you're hungry. I don't know why I'm emotional about this. But we need to re-engage in who God calls you, son or daughter. And here's, here's might be why I'm emotional. And I and I don't mean this to, to make any of you angry or upset at me, but there are times a lot of people enter into the house of God more like a home inspector than a homeowner. Where you'll say things like, and this is, this is how it sounds in conversations. Well, if that church does this thing and this thing and this thing, then I'll stay. But if they don't do this and that and that, then I'm out of here or if they do this thing, or if that person is whatever, and then, then I'll stay, but if they don't, then I'm out of here. And can I just tell you something? You are not called to be a home inspector. You're called to be a home dweller. This is your home. This is the, the house of God. And once you understand your heritage, that you are a son, you are a daughter. And you know what? I'm, I might be a little biased in this, but I think this is a pretty good house to be a part of. I really do. I do, man. I do. Really do. And not just because all the, the great ways we are generous and serving in our city and community, but really because of you. And I love this church. I love you. Even if I don't know you, I love you. And so, because of that thing, thanks, thanks, Watch my head, watch it. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. In fact, 
before we, we kind of transition to putting feet to hopefully what God's been stirring in your hearts over the last few weeks. Again, I mean, this offering is not anything that's a surprise for most of you. But before we do that, I just wanna show you one of the ways that, that this church is making a difference in our community. And then I wanna come back out and just kind of invite you guys to participate with us in this offering. Check this out. so good. That's so good. And I love all that we get to be a part of. Listen, before we kind of uh, engage in this activity of bringing back an offering towards the end of this, this year, here's the other thing you need to know as we re-engage the house and re-engage your, your head and your heart and your hands and your heritage, you are in fact a, a homeowner. And so because of that, as you bring up your, your end of the year Kingdom Builders offering, we have keys up here and key tags. Because as a homeowner, you kind of need a key to your house. And so on this key, and our, our plan is to every single year, just kind of lay these out here with a new year and a new verse. And so this year, our Kingdom Builder uh, 2022 has the verse on it, Luke 15, 20, which is about the son returning home and the father is there with compassion, ready to receive him. And that's really the heart of this house. And so we have a responsibility as owners in this house to, uh, to help continue with organizations like the Erie City Mission and breaking addictions and 
help partner with, you know, Convoy of Hope in bringing disaster relief to those who need it the most. Help ARC, the association related churches, plant life-giving churches around the U.S. to help continue to advance, you know, the kingdom of God in this nation and beyond. And this offering goes towards the advancement of all those. And so I want to advance, say thank you. Let's do this. Would you stand to your feet? And we're going to sing and we're gonna engage. And when we start to sing, I encourage you to just come on up, bring up your, your envelope, your offering, toss it in one of these trays and grab a key and a key chain. So God, thank you so much for a house that, that lives generously. Thank you, God, so much for a place to call home. And so I pray if nothing else, God, today we are just re-engaging what it means to be connected to community, connected to your, your family, connected to the bride of Christ. And we know the value of that because Jesus was willing to give his life for it. And so God, help us to be willing to to do the same, to, to give everything we can to the one who gave his all. And so in this season right now, God, we wanna bless you. God, would you, would you continue to bring favor on this house and bring more and more prodigals through these doors, God, so that we can do our part in reaching people who are far from you. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it. So please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.